about that, Steve. Just hold, hold tight, hold tight here. And I should be right there. <laughs> Mute button. Let's see. Do I know what that is? Okay, we're good now. All right, good deal. Too many buttons. You know, Steve and these techno guys, they can handle all these buttons. I need one button. On and off. How about that? <laughs> but anyhow, they're good. I appreciate them very much. And as I said, we appreciate everybody that's helping through this most difficult time, our Sunday school teachers and everybody that's working to keep those Sunday school lessons coming online and uh, just means so much. And being able to worship in person means a lot to me, and I know it does to you. And I pray we're able to continue. We just pray that God will just continue to use each of us for his glory during these times. You know that song that uh, Terry just sang about being desperate for God? I, I really, my prayer for the church is, is that the body of Christ would become more desperate for him because I promise you, the longer you live, the more you're going to need him. Amen? closer we get to him coming, the more we're going to need him. Daniel chapter 9, if you found your place and physically able, stand with me if you would. Honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God. We're just going to read a portion of this passage. The first 19 verses deal with Daniel's prayer. And it is one passionate discourse from the heart of, of a man of God that I believe greatly will help us today. But I'm going to encourage you after we read the text we're seated, just uh, keep your Bible open because we're going to walk through this thing together today. And I'm going to give you some principles, and they'll all be on the screen, that I hope will help you. And I hope they will encourage you to be like Daniel. Call on God and trust him for all of the response. Notice what the Word of God says, Daniel 9, verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes father in the name of jesus i pray that you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word help me father to articulate the truth that you taught me may i help your people walk more closely with you and love you more dearly see you more nearly just follow you more clearly god i pray today we'd do that and god i pray you'd be honored today through the preaching of the word God, that lives will be changed as a result of hearing the word of the Lord. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You'll be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the priority of a prayer warrior. Now, today I want you to understand what our goal is. Our goal today is to give an overview of these verses because as you we go through them, you're going to see there's so much to be discussed. It'd be impossible for us to have just one uh, sitting and one sermon on these verses. There's just so much. So we're going to seek to give an overview today. And in that overview, I want to give you six principles. And it's very simple outline day. They'll be on the screen. Just six principles from this text about what communication with God and fellowship with God meant to Daniel. And my prayer is that that... that passion that he had would be transferred to us today that we would have the same so we're not going to analyze we're not giving an analysis or a deep exposition of this prayer yet we're going to do more of that in the coming weeks but i want to give you a survey of the, if you will a survey of these verses because i believe with all of my heart and if you notice i use the word priority in singular and not priorities in plural and i'll tell you why because ultimately, we can only have one priority in this life, and it must be the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Your relationship with God the Father through God the Son must be your priority. I share with you what I read from the Puritan John Owen this week. 
And he said this, he said, What an individual is in secret on his knees before God, he is and no more. Let me say it again. What an individual is in secret on his knees before God, he is and no more. It means that's who we really are. It means where our true priority is revealed is in our communication with a holy God. So I want you to know that. And as we dive in today, keep in mind that the price that was paid for you, if you're a child of God here today and you confessed your sins, trusted Jesus Christ, your one and only Savior, and you know you're going to heaven when you die, I want you to know the price that was paid for you to have that communication was paid for through the blood of God's dear Son. So for you to be able to talk to God, enter into His presence, thank God, the veil of the temple has been rent from top to bottom, the door to the mercy seat is wide open for the child of God. How dare us to take lightly that wonderful privilege of prayer when such a high price has been paid for us to have. So as we look at Daniel, we know that Daniel once again is moving along in his time of captivity in Babylon. Now remember that the book of Daniel is not written in chronological order. I want to remind you of that because if you'll get mixed up. The first six chapters dealt with historical events. Beginning in chapter 7, we deal with prophetical events. But here in chapter 9, I'm telling you, is one of the greatest pictures of a man pouring out his soul to God you will find anywhere in the Old Testament if not the Word of God. I'm reminded of other prayers in Scripture that are very passionate. I'm reminded of Paul's prayers for the church in Ephesus. Two prayers are recorded there in the book of Ephesians as Paul prayed for that church and for the body of Christ. I'm reminded of when Jesus prayed in John 17 and he talked to the Father and he prayed that as he and the Father were one that you and I as his followers, his children would be one. And then I'm reminded of that prayer that he prayed in Gethsemane when he was about to be crucified, when the sin debt of the whole world was about to be poured upon him, when the wrath of God was about to be poured out because of sin, when he was about to become that true remedy for sin, when he was about to pay the ultimate price with his own blood, and he prayed in Gethsemane to the point that his sweat became his blood. And I tell you, when I read those prayers, it drives me to my knees in prayer. But I want you to know in the Old Testament, as I said earlier today, I truly believe that this prayer is probably as close to equivalency that we could find in the Old Testament of what Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Uh, Daniel is passionately pouring his heart out to the Lord. And we're going to find out some real important principles here today that I believe will help you and I improve our communication with God that we might hear more clearly and that we might be more faithful in the days ahead than we have been in the days behind. Notice with me, if you will, the first principle I want to bring to your attention is there in verses 1 and 2 where we read that intimate communication with God is directly linked to our devotion to read study and apply God's word Now that's going to come up minute you'll get those words your intimate communication with God and each one of these principles is going to be based off that premise about intimate communication with God the first principle I want you to know is that it is directly linked to our devotion to read study and apply God's word now notice where Daniel is he's in the first year of Darius he's Beginning, a, he's got the Medes have taken over, and he, he he's got he's still being Daniel. And notice what happens in verse two. In that first year, he said, "I Daniel understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolation of Jerusalem." Now, notice what Daniel's doing. Daniel is a man of God. Daniel is living for the purpose of God, and here he is reading the words of a prophet of God. He's reading what Jeremiah taught, and Jeremiah taught that God's people would be in desolation or bondage or exile for 70 years. Well, this means a couple of things to Daniel at this time. One is, he's been there since he was a teenage boy, and at this point in his journey, he's about 67 years into the 70 years. 
So he realizes that there's this thing's about to come to an end. In about three years' time, he's about to see something miraculous take place. And you'll notice that Cyrus the Persian, when he takes over, he allows all of those exiled Jews that want to go back, go back. And they certainly were willing to do that. But here's what we know. Daniel was immersing himself in what God had to say through his word. I cannot stress to you enough, and I want you to hear me and hear me clearly. I'm certainly not throwing rocks. You'll know I don't do that. I only throw a rope to help you, not a rock to hurt you. But if you don't take time every day, every day, no, listen, every day you need to have a steady diet of the Word of God in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, because it will affect how you behave. You say, well, you know, I can't read the Bible every day. Let's just stop for a minute. Does anybody here go days without eating? No, I ain't seen, ain't nobody. Y'all look pretty well nourished, right? Okay. You remember to eat. This morning, I got up and I got one of them coffee pots that if you'll set it, it'll have the coffee ready when you walk in there. Have y'all got one of them? I thought I was high ranking on technology. I guess not. But look here. But you know what? I programmed it to come on this morning and be ready when I walk to the kitchen. But do you know what happened? I forgot to push one more button. That was the button that would tell it to come on when I wanted it on. So guess what? I go in there, Marty, and you know what? The coffee's not ready. And I have to push another button to get it ready, and I've got to wait 10 minutes. But you know what? You know why I was willing to do that? Because it was important to me. Are you with me? Stay with me. You remember to eat, you remember to breathe, and all this kind of, you remember to do the things that are important to you, and I cannot stress to you how important this book is to your life. Because listen, if you don't live by this book, you'll live by somebody else's. Amen? If you don't live with his priority, you'll let the world decide your priority. And let me tell you what the world wants you to do. The world wants you to get away from God and the things of God. They want you to be totally away to where God has no influence in your life. But hear me. If you're a child of God, he bought you with his blood. You belong to him. He is the Lord of glory. Spend some time reading what he says. God, help us to do that. God, help us to do that. We need that so bad. And I can't stress that enough. Now, I'm not telling you you've got to memorize the whole book of Amos by Friday. I'm not telling you that kind of stuff. I'm not saying if you don't do those things, you're not right with God. I'm just saying this. If you love him, read. Listen, Adrian Rogers said, this book is a love letter from God. You say, wait a minute, I read some things in there that didn't feel like love. I'll tell you what. You read the front, you read the middle, and you read the back. There's some people who say, well, you know this thing about Jesus? He's just about the New Testament, old friend. That's wrong. I want you to know there's a scarlet thread of the blood of Calvary. It flows through every page of the Word of God, and it reminds you that you need a Redeemer, and His name is Jesus Christ, and thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. Amen? So what was, what was Daniel doing? He was realizing that if he was going to communicate with God, he had to get in the Word of God, and he had to study the Word of God, and he had to let the Word of God affect his life. There's a second principle. second principle is this. Is that intimate, intimate communication with God involves a process of preparation to enter his presence. Wow, think about that. A process of of preparation to enter his presence. I've been doing this in my quiet time, and I encourage you to get some systematic stuff. You know, don't, don't play Bible roulette. You ever people, I mean, really, get some systematic stuff to what you're doing. And I've got a little booklet of Charles Stanley's I've been using about his 30 life principles. It's really good stuff. And I just started the other day. I'd read some of the book, but I never used the, the little study guide. And here's life principle number one. And it has to go with what Dr. Stanley said. He said, our intimacy with God is his highest priority for our lives. Did you know that? Our intimacy with God is his highest priority for our lives, and it determines the impact of our lives. Your intimacy with God is of his highest priority, and it determines what kind of impact you're going to have on this unbelieving world. Isn't that amazing? 
Preacher, that's amazing. Yes, it is. It is amazing that God, of all the things that he could be doing or thinking about, what matters most to him is that he communicates with me and you. I'm going to tell you something else Dr. Stanley said, because he's, he's a pretty smart dude, amen? He's been used of God. Great. Here's what he said. He says, you were created for intimacy with God, and the difference that your relationship with God, made, the, 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 excuse me, back up, and the difference that your relationship with God makes in your life cannot be overstated. It's the most important relationship you'll ever have, and it's foundational to every other relationship. The health of your relationship with God will directly translate into the health of every other relationship you have. He says this, his highest priority is for you is to be involved with you in prayer. To be involved with you in the study of his word and worship and praise. He's saying your genuine intimacy with God will become evident in every area of your life. If you're walking with God, you won't be able to keep it silent, ladies and gentlemen. People will be able to tell if you're walking with God. And then he says this. He says, in that, talking about every area of your life, he says, and that will positively affect the influence that you have with every person you encounter. Do you know what I've noticed about people who walk with God? People who truly walk with God day in and day out and have before them the purpose of God, meaning more than anything else, they have the ability to compel others to come follow Jesus with them, not follow them, but follow Jesus with them, but they also have the ability to repel folks who don't want to be around that kind of person. I don't know if you notice it or not, but if you're going to walk with God, you're not going to make everybody like you. Not everybody's going to cheer for you. Not everybody's going to be on your side. So if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to determine that what matters most to you is your walk with him, your relationship with him, because if anything else has a higher priority, you'll be in a mess. See, it involves a process of preparation. Remember in the Old Testament tabernacle. Remember they had to, how the layout was. Inside the outer court was where you would find the brazen altar. The brazen altar was where they took that spotless lamb where that spotless lamb was offered as a sacrifice where its blood was collected so that it could be used on the day of atonement then after the brazen altar there was the brazen laver where they the priests would literally have to wash themselves and clean themselves up before they went into the holy place Water flowed, and the ladies brought all their looking glass. All their mirrors were put around. So not only would they clean, but they would inspect themselves. And after that, they would go into the holy place. Inside the holy place, you know, there would be the lampstand and the table and the showbread and all these different things. And the high priest would make his way up to the, to the, to the veil, the big thick curtain. Because behind that curtain was the holy of holies. And in the Holy of Holies was the, uh, was the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And above the Ark of the Covenant was the Shekinah glory cloud that represented the presence of God among his people. But before that high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, he had to be real clean. And he had to follow some specific rules. When he went to this place, he had on a seamless robe under it. He had on a robe that had bells and tassels. And when he would get to the edge and begin to go into the Holy of Holies, he would remove that robe and all those bells and tassels would cling and make noise. And then all of a sudden, silence would fall across the camp. All 12 tribes were all scattered around the outside of the tabernacle. And there he was. In total silence, he would go in to the Holy of Holies. Incense would fill the room and he would be given specific instructions to quickly in and out sprinkle the blood of that spotless lamb on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people for one more year. 
when he went in he'd have a rope tied to his foot because if he did go in and he broke any of God's rules the Bible said he'd die you know what that means in the Hebrew he'd die you know what it means in the Greek he'd die you know what it means in Aramaic he'd die you know what it means in English he'd die you know what it means in redneck he'd die <laughs> but when he finished sprinkling the blood and he made his way back through the curtain he would take the, the robe with all the bells and tassels and would put that robe back on and it would begin to make noise again no longer would there be silence in the camp but celebration would erupt because once for one more year their sins had been transferred on their account they celebrated because their sins had been moved forward one year. Oh, but listen to me, child of the Most High God. Listen to me, one who's been washed in the red blood of Calvary. Hear me. Listen to me, born-again believer today. They would rejoice because their sins had just been put on account for another year. But when Jesus died, when Jesus shed his blood, when Jesus said, it is finished. When Jesus went into the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And when Jesus rose victorious on that third day, conquering death in the grave. Ladies and gentlemen, no longer do we have to just rejoice because our sins have been put forward for a year. We can rejoice that we have been redeemed with the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God. Oh, give Him glory in the house of God today because of what He's done for you and me on the cross. Help us. You know why I want to talk to him? Because I want to talk to somebody that do something for me like that. I want to do that. But you got to get some preparation. Don't just show up flippantly. If, if you read my book, Born on Sunday Morning, you read a chapter where I talked about nonchalant intercession. I'm sure you've memorized it all. You're like, oh, yeah, we remember that, right? <laughs> Well, I'll remind you, right? It's kind of sad that people just nonchalantly approach a holy God. I'm glad that we don't have to go through all those rules anymore. I'm glad that I don't need a high priest to go in his presence for me. I'm glad that according to the word of God that all God's born-again children have been made priests unto God. I'm glad that according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, 15, 16, that my great high priest is Jesus Christ and he's all I need. He went in the presence of God the Father on our behalf. The last time I checked, according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he's still doing it. Not to save me over again, but he is constantly pleading with God and interceding for those that he bought with his blood. Don't have to. Prepare yourself. Confess your sin. Get right with God if you want to have the right kind of communication with Him. Let's move on to a third one, okay? I'm having a little fun here today, are y'all? Amen? I mean, church ought to be fun. I'm telling you, this pandemic thing's got everybody all shook up, and I understand it's got everybody. I mean, I know I'll carry a mask around in my pocket because you never know when somebody may see you coming and go, ah, I mean, you just don't know. And, 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 and I tell you, I, it's aggravating as the day is long, but I, 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 here's what I keep believing. I keep believing that God will allow it to go on until his purpose is completed. This afternoon will be fine with me, Marty. How about you, buddy? <laughs> Shoo, Lord. But you know what? He don't do what pleases me. He's called me to do what pleases him. We've got to get it right, Lord. Here's the third thing. Intimate communication with God. Here's the third thing. It must begin with sincere confession and repentance of sin. It must begin. Not end, but begin with sincere confession and repentance of sin. Notice, read with me the heart of Daniel. Take it. Listen to me. You can't miss this part. We're going to go back here in the next, over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to dissect this thing down. But just look at his heart with me in verse 4. And I pray, look here. He said, I set my face toward God. I fasted, dressed myself in sackcloth, put ashes on my head, which is an Old Testament symbol of humility and repentance. And here's what he said. I prayed the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant mercy 
with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. He said this, he said, we have sinned in verse 5 and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to shame to our to, but to us shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of, all of Israel, those near and those far off and all countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, says it twice. Shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers because we have sinned against you. What does it involve? It involves a beginning with sincere confession and repentance. Now, here's what the Word of God says. The psalmist said in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Here's what that means. If you harbor sin, known sin in your life, and you do not confess that sin specifically to God, that sin that you harbor and hold on to could be the very sin that keeps you from being heard in heaven. Hmm. Now you tell me, what's worth that? What is worth not confessing to God because the sin could keep you from being heard in heaven? Oh, I don't know about you, but I want to be heard in that mercy room, that mercy seat. I need that. So this intimate communication with God is very important. It begins with sincere confession and repentance of sin. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you just got down on your knees and you just got with the Lord and you passionately cried out to God like Daniel and said, God, I've sinned. God, I've broken your heart. God, not just me, but he starts confessing for everybody else. He's saying, look at us. Look at us as a group. Here's what he said in verse 6. We've not listened to the voice of your prophets. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I want you to hear. I don't know how much influence my voice has in your life. I don't know. You decide that. You decide that. But let me help you. When I'm speaking from this book into your life, hear me. I'm not speaking something I came up with because I thought it sounded groovy. I am speaking into your life what God has spoken into this world through his written word and what he is leading me to help lead you. That, that's what I'm doing, okay? I don't know how much influence that has only you determine. But there are a lot of voices out there competing for your attention. Amen? Do you know why people, we see it especially at Super Bowl time, do you know why companies spend millions of dollars for just 30 seconds of advertisement? Why they spend millions of dollars prior to the commercial being aired for some smart person with a computer to come up with all of these digital animatronics and all this stuff to capture your attention? You know why? They want you to go buy their product. <laughs> right? Whether it's Cheetos, Flaming Hot, or Stone Cold, it don't matter. They want you to buy their Cheetos. Among other things, you don't need to be buying. But anyhow, they just they want you to do this because that's their business. I'm about his business. I'm about this business. And I'm going to tell you more a little bit here in a minute. Why? But I'm telling you as a nation, as a church, and as individuals, we need to get serious like Daniel did about confessing our sin. Book of Hebrews chapter 12, writer of Hebrews tells us that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. There's a lot of snares out there, friend. There's a lot of people who want you to let down your guard, want you to walk away from the influence of God, the Bible, and the church. But I want you to hear me. The greatest decision you can make in this hour is not to back off, but to ramp up your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and the mission of the church of God. I promise you, in this hour, if we're silent in this hour, 
There are souls, millions of souls at stake. We cannot be silent about the gospel. And the way we faithfully declare it is by confessing our sin. Notice the fourth truth with me. Your intimate communication with God, this is a good one, it involves humble sensitivity to the voice of God. Let me come up there in a second. It involves humble sensitivity to the voice of God. How much does God's voice, man? I'm going to talk to you about the influence of what God does in your life. But how much influences and how much importance do you place on hearing from God? Now, let me back up and say this. Ninety, the primary way that God has chosen to speak to his people is through this book. Okay? This is the primary avenue for which God speaks. It is not the only way that God speaks, but it is the primary avenue for you to check any other voice that says it's from God. You can check it with this book, okay? All right, remember that. Because I have met lots of people in my life that have came to me and said, I have a word from the Lord for you, okay? And, I think, and I'm telling you, I could tell you some stories and make your head swim today, but I won't. But I'm just telling you, I've had many people who had a word from God. Now, let me back up and say, there have been times where people have said, hey, I was talking to the Lord about you the other day. And you know what? And I appreciate that. I really do. I need you to pray for me, and I want you to know I'm praying for you. And the Lord really spoke something into my heart, and I want to share it with you. And many times those have been very helpful because it was sincere. It wasn't, you know, somebody just trying to come being smart or whatever. But so there are times that God does use his people to help speak into the lives of others and help. But now you can always check it with this, okay? If it ever contradicts this, it ain't from God, okay? Because one thing God don't do is he don't contradict what he's already putting down in, red, in, in black and red, okay? He's not doing that. So our, enemy, our, our intimate communication with God, it involves sensitivity to his voice. Listen to what was going on there. Notice what he said in verse 10. We have not obeyed the voice of our Lord God to walk in his ways, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Wait a minute, you know what he was saying? He's saying it's not that God wasn't speaking. He said we weren't listening. You remember the prophet Isaiah? The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, he found himself in the house of the Lord. And he saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw these angels. And he had an encounter with God that he would never forget. And when he encountered God, he realized real quickly that he was a man who was unclean. He was a man who had unclean lips, which he means lived an unclean life. He was a man who lived amongst unclean people, which meant he was part of what was going on. But symbolically, the angel took tongues and took a hot coal from the altar and placed it on his lips, which is a symbolism of cleansing. And after Isaiah got cleansed and right with God, he heard somebody ask a question. They said, who are we going to send and who's going to go for us? Well, by this time, no longer is Isaiah sitting in the stands complaining about the plays and the coach and the referee and everybody else. No longer is he on the sideline with his helmet in his hand hoping nobody calls him to go in on kickoff coverage. No longer is he over there just taking a sip of water and waving at the cheerleaders and all his fans. No, that's all he's done. No, see, what happened was, Marty, is he went from being somebody who was just a spectator, just kind of hanging out at the house of God. He realized he was a sinner, and God called him into the game, and he put his helmet on, he strapped his chin strap, he put his mouthpiece in, and he says, you, I need somebody in the game. Who's going to go for us? And he's quickly with both hands in the air saying, here am I. See, you'll never know what God is calling you to do or how he's working in your life if you don't get right with him and get sensitive to his voice. He can be calling all day long, but if you're not sensitive, you'll not hear him. God help us. 
to be sensitive to the voice of God. Oh, I tell you, it means so much. Then. Here's another principle. Intimate communication with God requires the realization of the nearness of the judgment of God. Let's see if our friend Daniel understood anything about judgment. Look at verse 12. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us, against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done at Jerusalem. Here's what he's saying. We've never seen the judgment of God fall like we've just witnessed. Hmm. Verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn that He might uh, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand Your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind. It means it's keeping on going, and He's brought it upon us. For the Lord God is righteous in all of His works and all He does, though we have not obeyed His voice. And listen, look at verse 15. And now, Lord God, you know what he's saying? Based on everything we've just said, now, Lord God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned and we have done wickedly. There's a big old exclamation point. Man, he said this with passion and feeling. We've done wickedly. Wow. Man, I don't know if you realize how close we are to the judgment of God, but I don't know anything else I can do. I don't know anything else I can read from this book. I don't know anything else I can show you from the news or anything else to show you that judgment is coming to this world. We know that judgment is coming for the wicked at the great white throne. We've already talked about that, Revelation chapter 20. We know that judgment is coming for the blood-bought church at the judgment seat of Christ in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We, we know that. But Peter talks about something that really has always captured my heart. He said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, he said, if judgment is to begin, it is the first to begin where? The house of God. Marty, y'all know Marty? You know, me and you are going to be held accountable for something. We're going to be accountable for every worship service we've ever led. I'm going to be accountable for every time I open this book and try to tell people what it says. And you will be accountable for everything you've heard and whether you did right or not. Why did I tell you that? Because he leaves nobody out. When he talks about judgment beginning at the house of God, he's not talking about our stained glass, because I want you to know he does, God doesn't care whether you have stained glass or not. He's not talking about our padded pews. He doesn't care whether the pews are padded or not. He's not talking about anything. That we he doesn't care about any of that. But what he does care about is the condition of your heart. He does care about the influence of your life. And he does care about the impact or lack thereof that we make on the unbelieving world around us. See, here's what Daniel knew. He knew that judgment was coming and it broke his heart that even though judgment was coming, people continued to live wicked lives. I'll tell you, you know, as we go through this thing, I'm just going to, you know, let my hair down and tell you how I feel about things because I, I guess I've earned the right to do that. But uh, if I hadn't, I'm going to do it anyhow. Um, I'm afraid that in this pandemic, there's some folks getting numb. Getting numb. Years ago, I had a funeral director, buddy. I was in Georgia. We had had to do a funeral for a young child. You don't talk about hard. And the man who was responsible for getting everything together and getting the child ready for burial, 
He told me, and he stood there with the man who owned the funeral home, and he said, I can't get used to that. He said, that bothers me so bad. The man who owned the funeral home had been doing this a long, long, long time. He looked at this younger guy who was really struggling with what he had to do. He said, if you ever get to where that don't bother you, then get out of this business. That's good. He said, because if you get to where that don't bother you, then you are numb. And you're not sensitive to the hurts of other people. I thought that was good advice, don't y'all? I thought that was really good. But I'm afraid there's some folks getting numb. Now, I want you to hear me, hear me clearly. I know that, <clears throat> and that's why we put a lot of emphasis and, and we spend a lot to get our, up our online capabilities and we're trying to expand those as we go. And we know that that's very needed and that's a ministry that will continue. And we know that that's a ministry that many people will need for a long time. We understand that. Please don't misunderstand me. But whether you're in this building or at home or wherever you are, hear me. Don't let what's going on in the world get you numb and insensitive to the voice of God. That, that's my point, okay? You can be in this building and get numb and insensitive to the world, world, word of God. It's not about your location. Don't get me wrong. You can be watching today online and you can have a heart that is hot for God. You just have situations and circumstances going on in your life. Maybe it's a medical condition that prevents you. I totally understand that. You can still have a heart that is hot for the things of God no matter where you are. I mean, I've met a lot of people inside the building be thinking about being everywhere else except saying, God, speak to me and change me by the word today. But I'm very concerned that because we have this seesaw battle, this roller coaster, we never know when the time may come that we have to go back online for a period of two weeks and then we never know when that's coming. We, this uncertainty and everything else. A lot of people, and I want you to know if you're watching me today and you go to church somewhere else or whatever and you got a pastor, don't you think for a minute he's on vacation right now? Don't you? I hear people saying, my preacher ain't having to do half what he normally does. Those people need to get right with God. Let me tell you, yeah, I mean, they need to get right with God. Because I'm telling you, this thing right here has been harder on the heart, the mind, and the soul of your preacher than anything he's ever faced, ever. I want you to hear me, I'm going to tell you all that. We're not just talking about everybody else's preacher out there. I'm going to tell you about your preacher. This thing right here has been more taxing on the heart, mind, and soul of your preacher than anything I've ever dealt with in 27 years as a pastor. I'm talking about this is worse than demon deacons and demon deaconesses. This is, I mean, this is bad. <laughs> you know what I know? He's still Lord. What gets me up in the morning is that he's still Lord. What gets me through the day is that he's still Lord. What gets me through every day is that his purpose will be accomplished, that his glory will not be shared with anyone, and that judgment is coming, and people need to be warned. That's what keeps me going. God help us. Let me give you one last truth, okay? As I told you, we're just doing a survey today, giving you some principles I hope will help you. Last principle I want you to get is the intimate communication with God. It includes pleading with God for the mercy, forgiveness, and restoration only He can supply. Say it again, it's coming up. Intimate communication with God includes pleading with God. That means pouring out your soul. For mercy, anybody need any? Forgiveness, anybody need any? I do. I need mercy and forgiveness. And restoration, anybody need something patched up? I talked about construction. When I worked in construction, we used to fix and finish a house, and we'd get these lists. They were called punch lists. And the punch list meant every little thing that needed to be fixed before the homeowners moved in. It had to be perfect. It didn't want no holes in the sheetrock. didn't want no nothing, no stains, no splatters, no nothing. It had to be perfect. And you'd go down this list, you'd get it done, you'd check it off. You'd take your punch list back to the superintendent, and you said, look here, got all these things done. You know what they'd do? They'd go behind you and see if you did it. I don't know about y'all, but I believe, I don't know, I've got a pretty long punch list. God's kind of... Uh, 
fixing and restoring me, and I'm sure you need a little restoration through this thing. But only God can do that. What our friend Daniel had to say about it. Look with me, verse 16. Oh, Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and fury be turned away from your holy, holy city of Jerusalem. Oh, gosh. From your holy mountain, because for our sins, he gets personal, okay? And for the iniquities of our fathers, that means the generations before us got it all messed up. Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to those all around us. He's saying we've become a bad testimony. Wow. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the sake, for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. He's calling out to God saying, it's not because we're good, it's because you're, you're good. It's not because you're bad, it's because we're bad. And only your good can fix our bad. He's saying, listen, once again, I pray that you'd cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, that you would shine on Jerusalem, that you would shine on your chosen people. Verse 19, he says, oh, Lord, here, listen, exclamation again. He's crying out to God. Oh, when's the last time you just cried out to God? When's the last time you just got by yourself? There's an old song where you sing, Marty, called How Long Has It Been? Y'all remember that old song? How long has it been since you knelt by your bed and you told him your heart's hidden secrets? You told him your heart's every burden. How long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? He says, oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name do you know why Daniel was able in chapter 6 to face the lion's den without fear let me tell you okay walk with me in Daniel chapter 6 they made the decree if anybody's caught 30 days praying to God or anybody else then that person who gets caught is going in the lion's den the Bible said that when Daniel heard it <laughs> he didn't cry foul ball he didn't get all tore up you know what he did he just went to the house throwed up his window toward Jerusalem and carried on his custom he just got with God and they called him and the only thing he was guilty of was being a man of God. <laughs> How could Daniel so bravely go back to his room and throw up his window and pray when he knew the punishment? Well, look right here. Chapter 9. This prayer took place in the first year of Darius. This was before the lion's den. Are you with me? Do you know how he was able to approach the threat of the lion's den without fear? Because he'd already been with the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. His time with the Father prepared him for what was ahead of him, and when it came to the point that he had to choose, where he had to choose whether he was going to remain true to God or whether he was going to conform to society, you know what he did? He'd already made up his mind. His heart was already set. He didn't have to go, what am I going to do? They're going to throw me in there with those hungry lions. He's like, you know what? Right now, I was so close to heaven a minute ago when I was talking to God over there in chapter 9 back in the first year of Darius that if they eat me up, I'm just going to have a quick ride to glory. It's all about perspective. It's like I've told you before and I told them earlier too. And Donald Gray Barnhouse said this. He said, if a man ever expects to be a thunder in the court of Pharaoh, he must first stand barefooted before the burning bush. 
Moses knew all about that, didn't he? Moses, for 40 years, got put out yonder on the backside of nowhere, keeping up all those sheep, and all of a sudden he sees this bush that's burning and it won't be consumed, and he watches and watches and watches, and he gets over close to it, and guess who speaks to him? God! And when God spoke to him, he said, Moses, take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Ladies and gentlemen, once he had been barefooted before God at the burning bush, he could stand before Pharaoh and said, you will let my people go. He could lead those people. He could be faithful to the finish. Why? Because he'd already been with God. Church, hear me. If we're going to be effective and faithful to affect and infect this culture with the gospel that we're in today, we're going to have to get barefooted before God. I'll leave you with this. In Luke chapter 18, two guys went down to the temple to pray. Two very different guys. One's a Pharisee. One was a publican. One had everything, one had nothing. When the stories began to tell, they tell us that the publican, excuse me, the Pharisee, began to stand over to the corner and thank God for all he had, all this stuff, which makes you absolutely nothing. He thought it made him something. He starts thanking God, first of all, that he's not like that old lowly publican. I thank you that, you know what? I give all of my alms and I give all this and all of that. You know, and when it comes to giving, you don't give to gain favor with God. You give out of obedience to the word of God. If you give for any other motive, no good. So he begins to say, I'm not like him. I'm good. I stand on the street corners and pray. I, I mean, and I'm just, you ought to be so proud of me, God. Then he talks about the publican. He's on his knees. He can't even lift his head up toward heaven to look toward God. And the Bible says he smote his breast. And he said these words, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Bible says they left the temple, and the Pharisee went home, went about his way. They said the publican went down to his house, but it said something very different about the publican than the Pharisee. It said he went down to his house justified. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. I'd rather be him, maybe. <laughs> it's like I told him earlier, lady told me, he said, the word justified means just as if I'd never sinned, and that's good. It does. It's a great, it does. When you're justified, it says if you'd never sinned. But here's the best news, is you did. <laughs> and he loves you anyhow. See, true justification that comes from the fact realizing you're a sinner, you confess and repent of your sins, you become a child of God. He takes away that sin debt that you could not buy, could not do away on your own. He takes it away, and he loves you regardless of your sin. Wow. If you notice, as we talked about earlier, the priority, not plural, is singular. And if you have a priority in your life, that excludes your relationship with God, then you have a sinful priority. And if you're a child of God, only you can fix it. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do something a little different here today. Miss Terry, will you sit right here? You, okay. Come right here and play uh, the, the Breathe song. Let's just stand, if you would. I want to do something a little different here, Mark. Get Terry, or you, either one of you is fine. We're going to do something a little different right here. So no, this is uh, Marty. Marty, you know it, don't you? Can you play it? Can you play Breathe? All right. We're going to try. And, and, and here's what I want to do. We're going to do the chorus, Marty. You know, and I'm so desperate for you. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do with me for just a few minutes. 
as the body of Christ. Let's just lift our hearts to the Lord, okay? Man, I tell you, this is so hard. For 27 years, I've preached the Word of God. I've pleaded with God as a pastor and invited people to come forward and receive Christ. And I was, man, this has got it all messed up. But you know what I know? You can receive Christ right where you are. And just because your name's on the roll back there in the office don't mean it's in the Lamb's Book of Life. I pray it's in both places. But if you're a child of God today, we're going to sing this little chorus because we've got to get desperate for God. And I don't know what else God's going to have to do to get us there. But we've got to get desperate. Let's sing this chorus. Marty, when you're ready, you lead us, okay? Desperate for you. tell you how special it is to be here this morning and I hope you know that I don't take for granted any Sunday if I ever did I sure don't now and I want you to know that you being here is on my heart all week and speaking into your life is of the utmost priority to me here in the week as we get ready for worship and I want you to know that I love you there ain't a thing you can do about it. Amen? And I want you to never forget that. This week, um, I want you to make sure that you keep up with us uh, for our updates. We'll do those through the week as needed. Since we're meeting in person, we do them as needed. If we ever have to go back to exclusively online, we definitely do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We'll do them as needed. But Wednesday at 6.30, we're definitely live uh, on Facebook Live, and I think it also is it going with the other options too, Steve? On Wednesday, okay. And we're going to do some other stuff to try to our other updates. We're going to record them. Steve's giving me some, he's giving me some pointers so I can become a technologically advanced preacher, right? Yeah, but no, I do appreciate him and Tim very much. They they keep us going with our sound and all that, and we're just very grateful. God bless you guys. Thank you both. But keep up with us that way. Our office is still open Monday through Thursday, 8 to 3. So if you need anything, please, please let us know. We'll try every way in the world we can to help you. We're trying to get to everything. It's really difficult because of the restrictions and stuff like that. But nevertheless, God is God. He is faithful. He is Lord. And nothing will ever change that. But as you go out today, they're offering buckets of both doors. This is the last Sunday of this month. So let's stay faithful this day uh, so we can continue doing everything. Hey, I don't know if you got the email or noticed, but they did baptize six at Awakened City uh, last Sunday in Utah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Derek emailed me and said we got four, maybe six. I think he just grabbed a couple of people on the way down the street. I don't know. But that is awesome. And here's what I don't want you to ever forget is that you have a hand in that. Every dollar we send to Awaken City that you put in those Awaken City envelopes, every dollar that goes there is helping reach people with the gospel. It's 
huge to see six people baptized in a neighborhood in Harriman, Utah, not in the Mormon temple to something that's false and pagan, to something that's real, a real relationship with Jesus. So uh, to God be the glory for that. So I just want you to remember those things. If you still use the online, tithe.ly, or through the website, heflinbaptist.org, right, see? All right, so if you do that, uh, that we, either way is fine, but just know that we love you, appreciate your faithfulness, and know that you matter. Just remember, you matter, you're loved, and there's nothing you can do to stop us. Marty, sing us out. Marty's going to sing us out, and we'll have a great Sunday afternoon. Sing that.